Open, if you would, please, this morning to Romans 10. Romans 10. We're going to start in Romans 10, go back to Romans 9, come back to Romans 10. We'll be kind of between those two chapters this morning. Here's what we have on tap today. Our theology is this. Jesus is the end of the law for righteousness for all who believe. Jesus is the end of the law for righteousness for all who believe. Our application today is this. Zeal without knowledge is dangerous. We'll get more into that in a little bit, of course. And our prayer today is, God, give us hearts that submit to your righteousness rather than seeking out our own. When we talk about the theology, Jesus is the end of the law for righteousness for all who believe. This, uh, this is what we've been talking about as we've been going through the book of Romans, that righteousness is a matter of faith. Righteousness is not a matter of works. That we are not saved by our works. We are not made holy by our works. We are not forgiven by our works. That it is because of faith in Jesus Christ and what Christ has accomplished that we are now righteous. That it is the work of Jesus and not our own works. And so uh, we have put faith in Christ for salvation. We've put faith in Christ for righteousness. Now, this idea uh, is difficult for us because... For a long time, like the church has taught, and I say that a lot, so let me say that differently. The churches that I grew up in, kind of the flavor that I would have and the thing, because I've been in church my entire life, the, the thing that I would kind of hear would be people saying stuff like, put your faith in Jesus for salvation. Put your faith in Jesus so you don't go to hell. Put your faith in Jesus uh, for, to, for eternal life. And then the next step was, and here's what you need to do. Here's all the things you need to do. And, and what we have seen from the book of Romans is that we put faith in Christ for today, for our salvation, but we continue to put faith in Christ, like for life, for living. This is Paul saying to the, the Galatians in Galatians chapter 3, you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you, who tricked you, having started by the Spirit, are you now trying to be made perfect through your own works? No. The, the Spirit is our beginning, the Spirit is our middle, the Spirit is our end. We put faith in God for righteousness. Now, Paul says here in Romans, he says this. I'm going to begin in 10.1. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. It is, it is super important that when we're reading a text and there are like pronouns and stuff that we figure out who they are. So in this case, the they is unbelieving Jews, okay? Unbelieving Jews. So Paul is saying this, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for these unbelieving Jews is that they would be saved. I bear them witness. They have a zeal, a passion for God, but not according to knowledge. We're going to come back to that in a minute. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they have not submitted to God's righteousness. So here's the problem. There's a group of unbelieving Jews. It's a quite large group in Paul's day. And the problem is they are not believing in Christ for righteousness. They're seeking to establish their own means of righteousness. And their means of righteousness is the works of the law. You need to be circumcised. You need to observe the Sabbath. You need to do this. You need to do that. Here's all these things. And Paul's going, they have a zeal. They have a passion for God, but not according to knowledge. A passion for God, but not according to knowledge. And what that has led them to is it's led them to the place where they're going, I will establish my own righteousness now, Paul gives them a little bit of credit here, and it says, because they are ignorant of the righteousness that comes through Christ. 
And then he says this. This is a great text, and it's exactly where our theology comes from this morning. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. We've talked about this in Romans so far, that we are either people, and this this is two types of people that Romans is talking about, those who do not put their faith in Christ and have rested on their own righteousness and their own works, they're called people of flesh in Romans, and then those who trust in Christ and put their faith in Christ and they're people of the Spirit. When Romans talks about people of the flesh or people of the Spirit, it's two categories. It's those who do not believe in Christ and those who do. Those who are working their own righteousness out and failing at it, by the way, and those who are putting their faith in Christ for righteousness. Two categories of people. And Paul is concerned here because Paul Paul is a Jew, and Paul is concerned here that the Jews do not believe. Go back, if you would, to Romans chapter 9. I want to show you. So here's what he's just done. Romans chapter 6, he said, here's what the cross earns for us. Romans chapter 7, he said, here's what it looks like to live according to the law. Romans chapter 8, he says, here's what it looks like to live according to the Spirit. And then in Romans 9, he says this. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. I could wish that I myself were accursed, cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. They are the Israelites. To them belongs the adoption. To them belongs the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belongs the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever and ever. Amen. And then if you skip to chapter 10, uh, verse 1, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they would be saved. For I bear witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to, the, uh, to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So the beginning of chapter 9 the beginning of chapter 10 are, are, are these two statements. And everything in between that is this parenthetical kind of explanation. So he makes this statement that like, man, I, I, I could wish, Paul says, I could wish that I myself were cut off from Christ, separated from the, the benefit and the blessing of God for the sake of the Israelites, my brethren, my kinsmen. So Paul's desperation here is for the Jews who do not yet believe in Jesus. That's his desperation. He has this kind of desperate plea and he goes, my goodness, he goes, to them belongs the adoption. To them belongs the glory. To them belongs the covenant, the giving of the law, the worship, the promises. To them belongs the fathers. And from their race in the form of flesh came the Christ. So here's what he's just said. He's just said that the Jews had every possible advantage. He's highlighting this from chapter 2. The Jews have Isaiah. They have Jeremiah. They have Ezekiel. They have these prophets that foretold of the coming Savior. They have Daniel who foretold of the king who would come and stand stand before the throne of God and receive a kingdom for himself. He says, man, we have Moses. We have the law. He goes, we have all these things that should have pointed us to Jesus, and they're still missing it. He goes, Jesus himself was born a Jew. He goes, my goodness, he came to the Jews as a Jew, like the Messiah came. Like, he goes, my goodness, they miss it. Why? Why do they miss it? And then chapter 10 tells us why they've missed it. They've missed it because they have a zeal for God. They have a passion for God, but not according to knowledge, right? They're trying to do their own righteousness, trying to live according to their own righteousness and their own holiness, and they're not submitting themselves to the righteousness of Christ that comes through faith. 
They are saying instead, when they're offered this opportunity to believe in Jesus, believe in Christ for righteousness, they're going, no, 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 I got it. I'm doing it. I'll take care of it. So they're offered this chance to believe, and instead, they are rejecting. Instead, they are turning away. Look at this. Jump down uh, in 6. So he's just said that there's a huge group of the Israelites who are not believing uh, to those who came, the promises, to those who came, the patriarchs, the fathers, uh, the worship, the glory, the covenants. All these things came to the Jews. They're not believing. And then he says this in verse 6. It's not as though the word of God has failed, is it? For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. Now, chapter 9, I'm going to just tell you right now, if you're going, man, I can't believe we're in Romans chapter 9, and you have like this tension in you, like we can talk more about it Wednesday night Bible study, but like Romans 9 has been given a bad rap, okay? It, it has been relegated to certain conversations that it shouldn't have been relegated to. If you're going, man, I have no idea what you're talking about, perfect. That's where I want you to be, okay? If you're like, man, I, I don't have any problem with Romans 9, excellent. Really, really happy to hear that, okay? So Paul says this, keep the context in mind. Paul right now is talking about the Israelites that don't believe that he wants to believe in Christ, okay? And he says this, but God's word hasn't failed, has it? No, for not all who descended from Israel belong to Israel and not all are children of Abraham because of they, sorry, because they are his offspring. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named. That means it's not the children of flesh who are the children of God, but the children of promise who are counted as, as his offspring. So here's what he says. He goes, look, because the Bible says that God, that God has called Israel, has set Israel apart for the Messiah to come through Israel. And he says this, he goes, God's word didn't fail, did it? Because there's a huge chunk of Israelites who don't believe. And he goes, no, God's word hadn't failed. Not everybody who can trace their ancestry back to Abraham, like I, I can trace my ancestry back to like my mom's parents and my dad's parents. That's as far back as I can go. Anybody else like really big ancestry kind of people and you've traced it further back? Here's what I know. Douglas is a Scottish name. I'm actually thinking about changing the pronunciation of it. I've been learning more about how we pronounce it. I've been pronouncing it wrong apparently for 46 years. And so, uh, but when I, whenever I trace Douglas back, it gets bad. Like we're, we're murderers and we're thieves and like everything that the Douglases are famous for is really not good stuff, you know? And so like, I don't know that I want to trace my lineage a whole lot, but the Jews were really, really intent on tracing their lineage back to Abraham. And they'd be like, look, I can trace my family line all the way back to Abraham. I'm a good Jew. I'm a real Jew. And Paul says, no, 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 no. Just because you can trace your lineage back to Abraham doesn't mean you actually belong to God. Abraham was a person of faith. Remember Romans 4? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. There are other Jews who are not believing in the Messiah, and Paul goes, you don't actually belong to God. Just because you, can, just because you belong to Abraham doesn't mean you belong to God. Just because you can trace your lineage back. And so he's saying this. Look at verse 8, super important. It is not the children of flesh who are children of, uh, uh, of God, but the children of promise who are counted as offspring. Here's what he's been saying all along in Romans. It's not those who tr can trace their family history back to Abraham. It's not those who do all the right things. It's not those who follow all the covenants. It's not those who follow all the law. It's those who come through promise, those who come through faith that belong to God. 
I, I need us as a group of people to understand as we go out into this world that is lost and dying and needing Jesus, that when we go out into this world and we tell them, these are the things you need to do to be a Christian, that we are actually teaching them the wrong thing. That The goal isn't for the world to look a certain way. The goal is for the world to believe in Christ. It's not, it's not the people of flesh. It's not the works of the law that, that bring people to salvation. It is faith that brings people to salvation. And I don't know about you, but I have spent more than half of my Christian life, more than half of my Christian life, ashamed of myself and embarrassed by myself and condemning myself for all the areas that I did, all the things that I did wrong and all the good things I didn't do well enough. Anybody else? You just constantly kind of just go, man, I, I'm just not good enough. I mean, my goodness, like uh, th- th- this idea that we have that, that somehow God is going to like me more if I can just be better today than I was yesterday. I, like I, I have this thing in my head. Uh, I, I, for those of you who, who know how weird I am, right? I, I, have a, I have a house in my head and an office and some different things that I keep notes in, right, where I find all my information. Uh, one, of, one of my chalkboards says, says, pray. And then underneath that, written, it says, do better. That's terrible theology. Like, you know, like I, I'm constantly telling myself, you need to do better, Ryan. You need to be better. You need to do better. And I'm forgetting in those moments that I'm like, be better. I'm forgetting that it's, no, 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 faith. My righteousness is faith, not works, Right? And what we've done in Christendom is we've gone out and we've told people, yeah, yeah, put faith in Jesus so you don't go to hell, but be better. What I need us to understand and comprehend is that our faith in Christ is the thing that transforms us. It is the thing that makes us better. If it, it, look, look, if you're going, Ryan, but shouldn't we be different? Yes, we 100% should be different, but it's not the things we're doing that makes us different. It's what we believe in that makes us different, and we believe in Christ, the resurrected God. I've said this for like four weeks in a row. I really don't think that I will ever quit saying it. I have no problem anymore. I have no problem anymore putting more and more of the responsibility on Jesus than on Ryan. I spent way too much of my life telling people, and and it really irks me that it took me this long and that I was this slow-witted because I've preached hundreds of sermons to hundreds and thousands of people over 27 years of preaching, and I've told people, be better. And what I should have been telling people is, believe in Christ. Because if we believe in Christ, it changes how, how we act. We were talking, like, I don't know, we, Pierce and Micah and I have a podcast that we record, uh, a weekly podcast, and, and it's called Simpler, and the idea is that, like, the Christian life is actually a lot simpler than we've made it to be, and it, it really is just about believing in Christ, it really is just about putting faith in Jesus more and more, and Paul is going, man, like, he goes, I, I, I wish these people would believe, he goes, he says, I, I would be accursed. I would be cut off for the sake of Christ. I would be condemned and damned to hell if it meant all of Israel would believe. These are the Israelites. These are the ones who have the covenants. These are the ones who have the promises. These are the ones to whom Jesus came. I wish that they would believe. And they're, what, what they're doing is they're walking around going, yeah, yeah, but I belong to Abraham. Yeah, yeah, but look at all the good things that I've done. And he goes, no, it's not the people of flesh. It's the people of promise. It's by faith. 
And this is what his conversation is about here in Romans 9. Our application today is this. Zeal without knowledge is dangerous. Zeal without knowledge is dangerous. And I want to be really careful here, and I want to be clear. So when Paul says they have zeal, but zeal without knowledge, zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, Paul is specifically speaking of people who have no faith. Paul is talking about people who do not believe, okay? These are people who are passionate for God, but don't have knowledge. Now, I just want to say to you that in our world today, these kinds of people still exist. There are people who are very passionate about God, but not according to knowledge. And the way that you can tell and the way you can listen and the way you can discern that is listen to what they are giving the credit to. If they're giving the credit to your behavior rather than the credit to the cross and Jesus Christ, these are people who have maybe a great passion for God, but not according to knowledge. Because the knowledge that Paul is referencing here is faith in Jesus. Truth about Christ. How do we know that? Great question. Because the very next thing he says is, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for all who believe. And this is where our application really comes in. These two kind of things mixed together. And here's what I need us to comprehend and what I need us to know. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for everyone who believes. So think about it like this. If you're saying, man, I'm, I'm a believer. I put my faith in Christ. And I, I'm just trying hard to be more righteous. Let me, let me say it a different way. I've told you about 15-year-old Ryan, uh, and 15-year-old Ryan was incredibly arrogant, and 15-year-old Ryan believed that he was better than everybody else. I was a good kid. I always did what I was told. I'd been a Christian since I was three, wanted to be a preacher since I was four. I was doing all the right things. I made good grades for whatever reason. I thought God cared about that. You know, like uh, I, I was doing all the things I was supposed to be doing, and I would look at these other people and be like, man, you're kind of a mess, you know? Man, you really need the blood of Jesus. These were the thoughts that I would have. You really need the blood of Jesus. My attitude was, I didn't need the blood of Jesus probably quite as much as you did. That was my thought. Why? Why was I able to have that thought? I was able to have that thought because I was basing it off of performance and not faith. Right? Does that make sense? I'm looking at how I'm acting. Don't, but don't we still do this? Come on, don't tell me, don't tell me that you haven't looked at the way somebody else has raised their kids and gone, well, man, they're really messing it up. If they only knew what I knew. You know, like we do that, right? We, we think, oh man, I'm just a little bit better than you. I just want us to understand something, that in the realm of Christianity, we don't get to use works as a measuring stick at all. We don't. You're going to say to me, and I hope you do, and we can talk about it more later, pull me aside, ask me, but you're going to say to me, Ryan, Ryan, what about... You'll be known by your fruits. Excellent. Excellent, excellent question out of Matthew. They'll be known by the fruits that they bear. Excellent question. Jesus is talking about teachers, and he's talking about the Jews, and he's talking, anyway, he's talking about these people who are proclaiming truth, so-called truth. For those of you who are listening, I'm using quote fingers. Uh, he's talking about these people who are using so-called truth, and the Pharisees are going around saying, we're righteous, we're holy, we're good, and Jesus is going, they're actually not. And here's how you can tell. Look at the fruit of their lives. They're not actually preaching to you the truth. It's not a Christian text. It's a Jewish text. But we can talk about that later. Here's what I need us to know and comprehend. That Christ really is the end of the law for righteousness for all who believe. People go, yeah, yeah, but shouldn't we do 
The question that I get asked the most when I say something like this is, yeah, yeah, but what about the Ten Commandments? Hear me on this. The Ten Commandments never kept anybody holy, ever. They just didn't, you know? The Bible even says, Paul says that the law is given for those who don't obey the law. The law is for those who don't obey it, okay? The Ten Commandments, it, it, it's not thou shall not murder that's keeping you from murder. It's just not. It's not thou shalt not commit adultery that guards you from adultery. If you think that it's the law that saves you, then we need to talk some more because Paul says in Romans, sorry, not Romans, in Hebrews, he says in Hebrews chapter 8 and 9 and 10 that the law couldn't ever make anyone holy. The law couldn't ever accomplish righteousness. We saw in chapter 7 that all the law could do was condemn and produce death. That's all the law could do. You, you want to know what guards you from adultery? A life that says, Christ, what Mike is saying a minute ago, what we saying a minute ago, my heart belongs to you. You, you want to know, know what guards you from sin? Faith in Jesus guards you from sin, not the law. And we're sitting here telling people, put faith in Jesus and then do the law. Instead of put faith in Jesus and let Christ change you. It's faith. People all the time will ask me like, and, and I, I've said this to you before, and, and I'll, I'll probably say this a lot, too. When people come to me and they say, listen, and I always use marriage as an example, but you can put whatever in here you want to put into it. And they come to me and they say, man, our marriage is in trouble, or this terrible thing has happened in our marriage, or whatever, right? And they come and they sit down. The, the very first thing that I do is not, okay, here are some new things y'all need to do. Okay, here are some precautions you need to take. The very first thing that I do is say, I need you to know how deeply God loves you. Why? Why is that where I start? Somebody comes to me with a broken marriage, and I don't say, let's fix your marriage. Y'all need to be nicer to each other. I start with, I need you to know how deeply loved by God you are. Why? Because of the transformative power of knowing that, the transformative power of knowing God's love. 1 John 4 says, we love. Why? Because he loved us first. Every bit of love you have for God flows directly out of your knowledge of how deeply he loves you. It is the love of God that constrains us and compels us and, and causes us to live for Christ, not the law. People go, Ryan, yeah, but the Ten Commandments. You should regard your God as holy. You should have no other gods before him. Listen, if you love Jesus, you don't have other gods before him. The law doesn't make people holy. We've got to quit telling people that it does. We've got to quit doing that. We're harming people. All the law does, Romans 7, all the law does is bring about condemnation and death. I've been condemned enough. I condemn myself enough. Michelle and I, my wife is Michelle, if you don't know. Michelle and I were joking the other day. Uh, she and Cammie were supposed to have lunch, but Cammie hadn't been feeling too well, so they, they canceled. In my head, and Micah and Cammie have been friends of mine. I've known them longer than I've known my wife. Um, They've been friends of mine for nearly 20 years. And, and what's funny is, I'm like, my very first thought is, she's probably mad at me. Cammie's probably mad. I want you to think about this for just a second, okay? I wonder if I did something that made Cammie mad so she's not having lunch with my wife. Cammie literally had been sick, you know, a few days earlier. But this is where my head goes. Why? Because it is supernatural, not supernatural. It is easily natural for me to, I, I'm, I'm always guilty, Anybody else ever always feel guilty? Like, 
If something went wrong, if you come here this week and you don't come here next week, I promise you 100% of the time I'm going to go, I screwed it up. It is really easy for me to condemn myself. Anybody else? Yeah? I know that like two of you have come to me and said, man, I just feel like you're inside of my head. So, you know, I'm looking at a couple of you going like, like sympathetical, right? Like we just, listen, I condemn myself all the time. I don't need help in that area, right? What I need is a God who loves me graciously. We have got to, as Christians, stop telling people, come to Jesus for salvation, and then you cover the rest. We've got to quit doing that. That's a zeal for God without knowledge, and that kept Israel from believing. Why in the world do we think that kind of passion for God is going to make good, solid Christians? It can't. It can't. And so, we, so the answer, so people go, well, what do I do then? We go, you believe. You put your faith in Jesus. And they're like, yeah, but then what? Then you believe. <laughs> yeah, but then what? Believe a little bit more. Like, yeah, but how do, do you know that God loves you? Yes. Here's, here's an interesting conversation I had with somebody one time. I was talking to an individual, couldn't tell you possibly who it was. I, I have no memory. I wouldn't tell you anyway. Uh, but I was talking to somebody and I said, do you believe that God loves so-and-so? Yes. 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 Do you believe that God loves you? Well, I think he loves me. I just don't think he likes me. I mean, like, and then I went back. Okay. Do you believe God loves this person? Yes. 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 Do you believe God loves you? Well, anybody, anybody ever identify with that? Feel that? You know why you feel that? Law. Because in that moment, you're thinking of all the things you failed at and all the good things you haven't done well enough. And you're going, yeah, yeah, I mean, I get it. I understand the language. I understand God loved me so much he sent Jesus to die for me. I get it, right? Like, Jesus died, his blood was shed, he rose from the dead, yay, he loves me. Okay, but really though, does he? And we have that conversation in our head. Hear me. The only reason you feel that way is because of law. Because you've bought into this lie, the lie that, by the way, kept the Jews from believing in Jesus when he's walking in their midst and raising the dead. And they're like, no, 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 I can't believe in that. It's too easy. i got to do all the works. That lie, that lie kept Israel from putting their faith in God, and that lie is killing Christians today. I don't mean supernaturally. I mean, it's just like dragging us down and condemning us. Why? Because we've got to come to the place where we go, man, I know that I am loved. I know that I am loved. Why? Not because of what I've done or failed to do, but because of who Christ is. Christ is good. That sounds really stupid coming out of my mouth because it sounds so petty and little, right? You know, you're like, yeah, Jesus, he's good, you know? And you're like, yeah, yeah, Ryan, I mean, I know that. But like, really, I need you to know that. Jesus is so holistically good and righteous and holy That when we believe in him, we are his goodness and his righteousness and his holiness. Jesus is the end of all the law for righteousness sake for everyone who believes. Catch your breath. Oh man, okay, I didn't read my Bible this week. Some of you right now, you already know. You already know you missed four days this week, whatever, right? You already know you were supposed to call so-and-so and and talk to so-and-so, and and you didn't this week. You're already thinking about the person that you bumped into that you said you'd pray for, but you forgot to pray for him. You've already got the laundry list of things that you have failed to do 
You've already got the things that you did do that you're ashamed of, and they're weighing in your mind. Hear me. Jesus is the end of law and works and self-fulfillment for righteousness for everyone who believes. And now catch your breath and say, thank you, God, that my righteousness is found in you. The Jews were having a hard time with this. The Jews had a really hard time with this. The Gentiles didn't. The Gentiles didn't have a works-based salvation. The Gentiles were pagans. They were bowing down to idols. They were just fearful that their God was going to smite them on any given day, so you got to do all you know, these things. They, they were just trying to avoid being smitten. You know, The Jews are walking around, and the Jews are going, man, look, smote. Is it smote? I don't know either. Okay, smitten sounds like a Valentine's kind of thing, you know, being smitten by their God. Hey, God, you know, how are you? You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> they didn't want to be smoted or smited or smitten or whatever, right? They didn't want any of those things. And because they didn't want any of those things, they're offering uh, sacrifices to their God. The Jews are walking around going, I got this. I'll do it. Have you seen my genealogy lately? All the way back to Abraham. He's on the very top. Look at that. Isn't that fancy? I'm a real Jew. That's how you know. And then they're like, I'm circumcised. Have you seen? You know, anyway, I don't know, right? And so they're like... They're, they're, they're like, listen, I, I'm a good Jew. I've done all the things I'm supposed to do. And then Jesus comes in and he goes, I'm God, believe. And they're like, no, no, no. Have you seen my resume? And Jesus goes, I'm God, believe. And they're like, but look at how I'm performing. And he's like, I'm God, believe. No, 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 that's way too easy. Where did we get the idea that easy is bad? Where did we get the idea that easy is somehow irresponsible or lazy, right? Just, just believe. Now, listen, here's where it gets really cool. Man, I really want to talk about the rest of Romans 9. We just have to come Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. We can do that then. But listen to this. Let's go back to chapter 10. Let's read these first four verses again, and then we'll conclude with the next few. It says, brothers... My heart's desire and prayer to God for them, unbelieving Israel, is that they would be saved. I bear them witness that they have a zeal and a passion for God, but not according to the knowledge of the truth, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they have not submitted to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments will live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend to the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth, it is in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Listen to this. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greeks. For the same Lord is Lord of them all, bestowing his riches on all who calls on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Paul quotes a couple of Old Testament texts here. He quotes Joel and he quotes Deuteronomy. And what's really cool about this is where he says, Moses writes about the righteousness that's based on the law. Whoever does them will be saved by them. Whoever does them, that person will live. So, 
he's quoting here Deuteronomy 30. If you're interested, if you're a note taker, Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 19 is what Paul is quoting here. And in Deuteronomy 30, Moses is about to die. He's led the people through the wilderness for 40 years. He's going to be dead in about two weeks, Moses is. And they're on the verge of going into the promised land. He's already handing things over to Joshua to kind of take leadership. And Moses is about to die. And he goes, listen, you're about to cross over this river into the promised land. And he goes, I'm setting before you today life and death. Choose life. That's what he's saying to them. Feels very obvious, right? If you get to pick between life and death, pick life. And he's telling them this. He goes, do not say to yourselves, is, is the command of God. He goes, I'm giving you a command and it's not hard. He goes, don't say to yourself, is the command in heaven that I need to go all the way there and get it? No, it's not there. The command of God is not all the way in the abyss so that you need to go there and get it. He goes, the command is near you. It's in your heart and in your mouth. And this is where Paul and Moses diverge. Because then Moses, the very next thing he says is, if you will do all the commands of God, you will live. And if you fail to do all the commands of God, you will die. Paul is addressing that text. He even says that it's different. He says Moses is writing about righteousness that comes from works. And he goes, but the righteousness that comes from faith says it's not way up in heaven that i got to go get it. It's not way down in the abyss that I've got to go down and get it. He goes, it's in your heart and in your mouth that you simply believe. And all who believe, I love what he says, because he says at the end of chapter 9, quoting the Old Testament, and he says it here again in chapter 10, he says, all who believe will by no means be put to shame. Hear this. If you are a Christian who is living in shame, you just kind of constantly feel the weight of it. I hope you're not like me. I hope that you are not as broken as I am, you know? I hope that you're not as wildly dysfunctional as Ryan Todd Douglas is. You know, like Ryan is a mess. And in my head, all the time, I have these internal battles of all these things. Like, in my, Micah, I, I don't know. Micah could tell you that, like, on any given day, there's, like, 20 people, I think, are probably mad at me that I'm, like, stressing about, right? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I always, in my own mind, have screwed everything up. We'll, we'll record a podcast, and I'll be like, well, I shouldn't have said that. Now people are going to be mad at me forever. And, like, yeah, I mean, like, it's just, it's in my head, right? Like, it, I just, I live in that headspace, and I am working really, really hard. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Thanks for the laughter. I am trying to remind myself that my righteousness is based on what I believe about Jesus and not about how I've behaved, not about all the things that I've done well and not about all the things that I've done poorly and not about all the good things that I've failed to do and not about all the wicked things that I've done quite well, but about faith in Jesus. And here's the confidence that I have at the end of Romans 9 and there again in Romans 10, verse 11, that all who put faith in Jesus will not be put to shame. For all who believe, for all who believe, what does it say? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's no distinction. Christian, I don't know if you're walking around in shame, measuring yourself by, like, I'm just going to tell you right now, when we moved out here two years ago, I went into the garage, I had three bookshelves full of books, and I threw away 90% of them. I just did. There are a lot of really well-intentioned, 
zeal for God kind of Christian books out there, but not according to knowledge. Christian books that will say, man, God loves you so much. What are you doing for him? Do these 800 things and you'll be a good Christian. And you read those books and you highlight them and they're the passages you're posting on Instagram and the passages you're posting on Facebook. And you're like, man, this really convicted me. And it's not that it convicted you. We say convicted because we want to sound good, but it really condemned you is what you mean. This book, this passage condemned you and I need you to know that Christ does not. This book and this passage caused you shame and I need you to know that those who believe in Christ have no shame. Man, what if, what if Christianity quit trying to be about the law and get this, check it out, and was literally only about Jesus? Can you imagine? And that if instead of telling people, do these 800 things, we said, call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. If you're in here today and you're going, man, I'm not quite good enough for God. I know I need to be a Christian one day. I'm not quite good enough for God. I have really, really great news for you. You are welcome now at the feet of God, not because you are good enough, but because Christ is good enough. And if you're a Christian in here today, and you have been living under a shadow of shame and condemnation because you think you're not good enough, I need to remind you of something. Christ is infinitely good enough. And you're free of shame, and you're free of condemnation because of what you believe, not because of what you've done. And that brings us to our prayer today. God, give us hearts that submit to your righteousness rather than seeking out our own. God, give us hearts that submit to your righteousness rather than seeking out your own, our own. Would you take just a moment to pray that right where you are? That God would remind you that you are free from shame in him, that you are free from condemnation, that you are loved, that you are righteous, that you are holy, that you are forgiven. Take just a moment to give God that thanks and that praise. God, many of us have labored long enough under condemnation and shame. Many of us have spent enough time 
trying to earn your pleasure. And we found ourselves broken time and time again. Not measuring up, not being enough, not being sufficient. God, some of us just need to be reminded, like I do this day and every day, that you are sufficient. That you, through your son Jesus Christ, have provided everything we need for life and godliness. That you have called us holy and chosen and beloved. That you've called us forgiven. That you've called us adopted into your family. That you've called us children of God. And that we get to call you Abba Father. That our righteousness is not a matter of our own works, but a matter of the works of Jesus Christ upon the cross. God, I ask that you would keep us from living under our own self-condemnation and that we would step into your glorious grace day in and day out. And for those around us in this world, God, who do not know you, who have bought into this idea that somehow they have to earn their way into your presence, I pray, God, that our testimony would be a simple one and it would be the testimony of Jesus Christ. That every person we meet every person we encounter and talk to and speak with and come face to face with, God, that our, our joy and our boast would be in Jesus. If you're in this room today and you've never put your faith in Christ, Pierce is around, I'm around, Micah's around, grab us at some point, text us, call us, email us, whatever, but talk to us about Jesus. If you're a Christian in here and you just need to be encouraged and prayed for and be reminded who you are in Jesus, grab us. We're not too busy for you. We'd love to remind you of the grace of Christ that we are daily trying to take hold of. God, you are good and you are gracious and you are powerful and you are beautiful and we love you and adore you.